So good evening to you all once again. Just a little bit ago, Carly played a song called Oh Holy Night on the flute. And it was indeed a holy night, the night that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. One of the lines of that song tells us to fall on our knees and hear the angel voices. And our proper response when we are faced with the presence of holy God is to fall on our knees before him. We've read the scriptures tonight that tell of Jesus' birth. We've sang songs tonight that tell the story of God coming to us in human flesh. And just as Linus did for Charlie Brown that first time back in 1965, I'm here tonight to tell you what Christmas is all about. It's about the gift of God to a dying world. It's about God with us. The prophet Isaiah foretold what would happen this night. In Isaiah 7.14, he said that, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which we read in our passage from Matthew 1, and we learned it means God with us. So Christmas is all about God coming to us, to touch us, to live with us, to heal us, to love us, to give us hope, to be God with us, Emmanuel. Christmas Eve is that time of the year when it seems like that that membrane between heaven and earth seems so thin that you could almost see right through it. Tonight is the night that we measure all other time against. On this night, God chose to come to us in human flesh. Heaven came down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. I would tell you tonight that the gospel of Jesus Christ is indeed the greatest love story that has ever been told. And I wish with all of my heart that everyone would read the nativity account in that light, in the light of a love story from God to us, from God to each one of you here tonight. I want you to imagine the world at the time of Jesus' birth. Imagine what Joseph and Mary saw. Put yourself in their place. Their world was a very busy, busy place. Many people were traveling to their hometowns to register for the census due to that proclamation from Caesar Augustus. So much hustle and bustle everywhere. Everyone was just so very, very busy. There were so many travelers that Mary and Joseph couldn't find a place to stay in Bethlehem. There were no rooms available anywhere, so they ended up in a place that had been set aside for the animals. And it was there that Mary gave birth to a son, her firstborn, and laid him in a manger. But most people in that day, in fact, almost everybody, didn't really notice that, did they? They didn't notice Most people had made themselves so busy that they missed the presence of God with them. And it's not that people weren't interested in God. Just like today, there are many people who are interested in God. It's just that most of the people get caught up in their busyness and they end up not seeing God when He is right there with them. And our world hasn't changed very much in the last 2,000 years, has it? There's still a lot of hustle and bustle going on. Everyone is still very, very busy. 
Does that mean that people aren't interested in God? No. I think that no matter how busy you get, deep down inside every soul, there is a desire to look into the heart of God. This evening, I want you to walk into Bethlehem in your imagination. Can you picture that? You're near the manger, maybe even standing next to Mary. Do you have that picture in your mind? Now, I want you to look through Mary's eyes. What does Mary see? Our light just went out. That's okay. What does Mary see? Well, she sees a baby, right? She sees a baby, and she's probably listening for his breathing, as any new mother does. Yet she sees so much more. And she remembers the promises of God. And she recalls those promises. And she stares into the face of her child. And I think that she realizes that she is staring right into the very heart of God. And then the shepherds arrive that night and they tell her and Joseph about the the visit from the angel and what the angel had told them. And they too crowd around that manger and gaze into the face of that child. And as they do, they realize that they too are gazing into the very heart of God. And then the shepherds leave, and the Scriptures tell us that Mary pondered all of these things in her heart. There in the manger is God wrapped up in human flesh. The fulfillment of all the prophecies concerning the promised Messiah is lying there wrapped in swaddling clothes. Everything that Mary's world needs, everything that our world needs, is right there. Can you see it? Everything that her hustling and bustling neighbors and friends could ever ask for is lying right there in the manger. My friends, the key to understanding God, the key to understanding the meaning of life, the key to eternity is right there lying in the manger. My friends, I want you to watch now as Mary lifts the baby out of the manger and she hands him to you to hold. And there you stand, holding in your arms the one and only Son of God. And as you look down into his face, you realize that you too now are looking right into the very heart of God. In your arms you are holding everything that the world is truly longing for. And you ask, you ask why? Why would God Almighty do something like this? And then you look outside. You look outside and you see a shadow. And it's a bright night and the stars are out and one star seems to be shining especially bright. Yet as you look, you see this this shadow. And as you look more closely, you see that it's the shadow of a cross. And then you truly understand. You understand why this child came into the world. He came to give you life. Eternal life. And as joyful as it is to hold this baby in your arms, you can't help but feel a little saddened as you look into the face of this child. And knowing all that he will suffer for you, you hand the baby back to Mary. 
And as Mary holds her newborn son once more, and before you walk away, you slowly take one last look. And you see God's love for you. You see His mercy. You see His wisdom. You see His grace. You see His forgiveness. And you realize that God has touched you this night. God has touched you. Now whether tonight or tomorrow morning, millions of people, both young and old, will open millions and millions of gifts. Some of them aren't going to fit. Some of them will probably be the wrong color. Many gifts will probably be returned, exchanged, or just put into storage somewhere. But there is one gift that meets all of our needs. One gift that never breaks. One gift that will never wear out. And it's a gift, my friends, that is appropriate for a small child, for a teenager, for an adult, or for a senior citizen. It's an appropriate gift for a boy or a girl, for a man or a woman. My friends, the most valuable gift of all is Jesus. And he promises that if you will trust him, if you will receive the grace and the forgiveness that he offers, if you will worship him as your Savior and Lord, he will set you free. He will set you free from sin and death. He will set you free from all the worries of this world. And He will fill you with His peace and His joy. A joy that can't be taken away and a peace that passes all understanding. The angels declared on that first Christmas, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. That's what most people want in their lives. They, they want peace. They want joy. Uh, they want goodwill. They want for people to, to just get along with each other. Well, that can only happen through the love and grace of God in your lives that is only yours through faith in Jesus Christ. But He needs to live here. He needs to live here in your heart. Not just on a Christmas card. Not just in the, in, in the manger scene on your mantle at home. I want to end tonight by telling you the story of a man who, for a while, lost his peace and joy due to some circumstances in his life. But because of the message of Christmas, the true message of Christmas, he was able to find that peace and joy once again. This is the story of a man named Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Maybe you've heard this story. Longfellow wrote a poem back in the 1800s called Christmas Bells. It was then put to music later on and is known today as the hymn, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Most people don't know the story behind that poem that eventually became one of our most beloved Christmas carols. Years before Longfellow wrote this poem, his personal peace and joy were torn apart when his wife was tragically burned in a fire and then passed away the next day. Then during the Civil War, his oldest son joined the army without his father's blessing, and he ended up severely wounded. He almost lost his son as well. As he wrote this poem, he was writing about Christmas bells, Christmas bells that he was hearing that speak of peace on earth. But at that time, he didn't have any peace in his own heart. I want you to listen to the words of this poem. There are words here that we never sing 
that we aren't written in our hymn books, and I'm going to share them with you in a minute. But these are the words that he wrote. He said, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. You see, he's hearing these bells and the message they're proclaiming of peace on earth, but he doesn't have any peace in his own heart. And then he wrote these words, these words that we never sing. Then from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned the peace on earth, goodwill to men. It, it, it was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Those two verses are speaking about the Civil War. And we never sing them, but they show the attitude of his heart as he was writing. The loss of his wife and then almost losing his son in the war had stolen all the peace and joy from his life. And then he continued on in his poem with words that we know, that we sing, that show exactly what his heart was feeling. He wrote that in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And there was a time before he finished his poem, as he sat in his despair listening to these Christmas bells ringing in Cambridge. But as they continued to ring and ring and ring and he listened, a thought dawned on him. And he thought there's got to be more to this life than, than just despair. There has to be some hope somewhere. And as he continued to listen to those bells ringing, he came up with the last stanza of his poem, which says, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. <coughs> Excuse me. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. For far too long, Longfellow had been trying to somehow find joy and peace in the circumstances of his life, circumstances that had robbed him of a wife and almost a son, circumstances that would rob almost anyone of their joy, if that's where they were truly looking to find the joy in their life. But as he listened to those bells ringing, he said that, that the true message of Christmas came back to him. A Savior had been born, and He had come to bring peace on earth and goodwill to men. And that was a turning point in Longfellow's life, as he once again turned to his Lord and Savior for the peace and joy that he needed, instead of trying to find it in the fallenness of the sometimes very cruel, cruel world. He had peace because the Savior had come to save him from his sin and give him peace in the midst of all the brokenness around him. And that, my friends, is the message of Christmas. 
As we read earlier from Isaiah 9, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what's that last one? Prince of Peace. The child to be born, the son to be given, came that blessed night so long ago to a virgin named Mary who was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And that baby was born in Bethlehem to fulfill what the prophet had written hundreds of years before. Friends, my hope and my prayer for all of you tonight is that you can find your hope, your joy, your peace through a saving relationship with this baby in the manger, the one who came to save you from your sin.